Father, I thank You that You are the Sovereign One. There is none other like You. And I thank You that we have opportunity this morning to come together as Your church. Be together. Build one another up. Thank You, Father God, for this time. And I ask, Father God, that You would encourage us and teach us and deepen our lives with you. Let the words this morning come from you and not from me. In Christ's name, amen. The church that I grew up in had a large room. There was a, there was a large sanctuary and you walk down the hall and then there's a large room called Fellowship Hall. And between services, there was this thing that they called fellowship time. And, and sometimes they didn't call it fellowship time, they called it coffee time. And I remember as a child, I still remember to this day, how terrible the cookies were. They were supposed to be chocolate chip cookies, and I don't know where they got them. They weren't homemade. They certainly weren't like the Melissa ones that she makes for us for the worship team on Sundays. Those, she could be rich selling those. Whew. These cookies were so bad that you had to go get a cup of the red punch. And I'm not sure what flavor that red punch was supposed to be, but the only purpose for the red punch was to kill the taste of the cookies. It was horrible. And that time, people would stand around talking and, and, and kind of sipping on punch or down in coffee and trying to eat the cookies. And that was called fellowship time. And I believe most people's concept of fellowship is, is kind of like that. It's, it's getting together and talking and being social. But biblically, that's not really... That, that's a part of fellowship. We could go there. But that's not really where we need to understand fellowship. It's far more. In Acts chapter 2, verse forty. Two, Luke tells us that fellowship was one of the things the first church was devoted to. And there's a whole list there. And we've been, been looking at this whole thing about life in the church. And that verse is, is foundational. Because these things the people were devoted to. And devoted means that they were continually persistent. The grammar there, the word that is used, it's continually persistent. And throughout the history of the church, fellowship has been a definitive quality of strong, healthy, local churches. It's vital. A strong church must understand, prioritize, and tenaciously pursue biblical fellowship. Fellowship is not optional. Every believer has been given a mandate from God to participate in fellowship. This is one of the reasons why 2020 was so difficult. We have a mandate from God to get together. That's who we are. And this thing called fellowship cannot be avoided and must be a priority. Fellowship. Well, it comes from the Greek verb koinonio or the noun koinonia. And, and the meaning in that whole group of words means sharing. Foundationally, basically, the word means sharing, contributing, and participating. That's the basis of that word. Fellowship is, is being linked together. You see this in the history of the church, and you see it in the, in the New Testament 
images that we have of the church. It's sharing life together. Not just any life, but a spiritual life. A common spiritual life. There's a fascinating way to see this expressed in Scripture. It's a, it's a fascinating Bible study if you want to do it. It's, it's, it's what uh, the small group questions are doing this week. And that is to go through the New Testament and look at all of the one another or the, um, yeah, the, the one another verses in the New Testament. One another verses are like Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, another good one is Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So to grasp some of the truths of fellowship, you could do that study and you, you can begin to see components of fellowship. Another thing that fellowship fits really well with is the metaphor of the body that is used in Scripture to describe the church. The, the Bible uses many metaphors for the people of God. They're, they're called a building, a temple, a family, branches, a flock, a bride. And there's a few others that, that are more minor. But, but the unique identity of the church is described with the metaphor of the human body, which paints the image of shared participation lived out as fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we read, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The person who is saved, the person who is following Christ, is in a body. That is a unique description of the church. Every believer has been immersed into the church because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Because our life has been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus, our identity as Christians includes being permanently connected to a body. And, you know, I went through getting my shoulder redone, and some of you have, you know, had your knees done, your shoulders done, hips done, or whatever. And when you're going through that time and you can't use something for six weeks, it's not participating. All right, we get that. So, so this whole idea of fellowship works really well with the metaphor of the human body. What this also means is that salvation is the basis for fellowship. I want to show you that in, in one place. Turn to John, 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. John, first, first of all, John's going to express his firsthand knowledge of Christ and the eternal life given by the Father through Christ the Son. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with, with the Father and was made manifest to us. Then notice verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Christ. He, he's been there. He's seen Him. He's, he's a first-hand... 
He's had it firsthand. He knows Jesus. And he connects that with fellowship. Our salvation is the basis of fellowship. Being saved is why we're in fellowship. That's why it's a mandate. That's why it's so important. If you are in Christ, you are in fellowship. If you follow Christ, you are in the fellowship. You are a part of fellowship. Once a person is in fellowship, they are never out of fellowship. Leaving fellowship would be the same as losing your salvation. And the scriptures don't teach that you can do that. So once you come to Christ, you are in fellowship. Every believer is in fellowship. And either contributes to the health of the the fellowship and, and all of the aspects of fellowship. Or they don't. There's really only two possibilities. You either contribute to fellowship or you hinder fellowship. There are no other possibilities. There are some in the church who make a maximum contribution to the body of Christ. And there are some who don't function at all. They show up from time to time and don't participate. There's a silly thing that goes off in my head as the mechanic part of me goes off and I had this, this international harvester pickup, a 1951 pickup. It was really a lot of fun. But every once in a while, I'm going down the road, and I, could, I, I realized that there were at least two of those cylinders that were just along for the ride. Okay, all the guys in the room that understand engines are going, yeah, I've had an engine like that. Yeah, you can tell. They're just, they're just along for the ride. They're going through the motions. They're going up and down, but they're not contributing to the power of what could be there. Some people are like that in the church. Not participating in the life of the church is extremely unbiblical, and it damages the health and the witness of the church. Not just the the internal workings of the church, it damages the external witness of the church. You know, there's another amazing image of fellowship that we need to grasp to fully understand fellowship. And that is the fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Within the Trinity, there is perfect fellowship. Fellowship of love, commitment, shared responsibility and purpose. It's perfect. And that fellowship within the Trinity cannot be broken. That also is an image of what God intends our fellowship to be. Fellowship within the church should be patterned after that kind of perfect fellowship in the Trinity. All fellowship in the church is shared responsibility and purpose. The early church, the early church um, expressed this in some very practical ways. And one of those practical ways that they they displayed this outwardly was how they cared for one another. Acts 2.44 says that they had all things in common. They, they sold everything. They had everything in common. Okay, this doesn't mean that they pooled all that they had and divided it up like communism. Instead, it means when there were needs, people within the church would make resources available to meet the needs. 
If you see somebody that has a need, you just go meet that need. You take care of one another because you share in what's going on. Shared responsibility. The body takes care of the body. This is a a, a visible outward indicator of fellowship. People who follow Christ share a spiritual life. Okay? A lot of times we can go there and understand that. But we also share a practical life as well. There is a common love for other believers found in fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. We're seeing the day draw near. Are we pursuing more, fe- more fellowship? I wonder. The truth is that every believer is needed in fellowship. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that a person can be a follower of Christ and not be in fellowship with other believers. There's been many times as a pastor, I've, I've worked with people, it's usually guys, and they go, yeah, my church is the woods wandering around carrying my gun or my fishing pole. That's my church. Okay, I fish, I hunt, I like, I like to walk in the woods. That's not fellowship. One pastor early in my Christian life said, God didn't make any lone rangers. Every believer is needed in Fellowship. Now, I could also say that every believer needs fellowship. Both are true. You are needed. Just as your physical body needs each part functioning and participating to be healthy, the church needs each person connected and participating. If you're not here, if you're not with the body of Christ in whatever functions are going on, you're missed. This This is life in the church. This is the church. God has given the church a constant reminder and symbol of this fellowship, and and it's connected to our salvation. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11, 26. Paul tells us this about the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We know that. We very often, this, this thing we're going to do this morning, called communion, we, we say communion. And communion is an English word that comes from the Latin, I'll try to get it right, communis, meaning common or shared. So really, if you do the etymology of the term communion, communion is another term for fellowship. So when we come together, this is, we could call this Communion Sunday, or we could say this is Fellowship Sunday because of what we're doing. What do we emphasize when we come to the table, when we have communion? We emphasize the remembrance of what Christ did. We remember His willing sacrifice. In this remembrance, every person who partakes of the bread and wine is equal. It doesn't matter what your status is in society. 
Rich, poor, educated, white, black, brown, yellow, red, green, I don't know. Male, male, female, socially popular, socially unpopular. It doesn't matter. What you have accomplished in life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've failed at in life. When you come to communion, when you come to this fellowship, when you come to Christ, it doesn't matter. Everyone comes to the cross as a sinner. When we come to the Lord's table, table, the field is perfectly level. Everyone's the same. We are, we are just exactly the same as every other sinner in need of a Savior. We come equally then within the church as forgiven sinners. When we come to Christ and when we come to communion, we're coming in a common forgiveness. We share in the same salvation. So this this thing we call the Lord's Supper or communion is an incredible symbol of fellowship. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. Again, chapter 10, 16 and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless is is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. In that passage, in verse 16, you find the term participation, or in some translations you may have the word sharing. It it shows up twice. And both times... It comes from the Greek koinonia, fellowship. So you could read that, verse 16, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a fellowship in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a fellowship in the body of Christ? What we do is we fellowship. We are, as believers, in fellowship all the time. So every time we take communion, we are celebrating Christ's death and we are celebrating fellowship with each and every other saved sinner for whom Christ died. This is a reminder, a symbol of Christian fellowship. This is a symbol of our permanent, active attachment to the body of Christ as well. I come to the table and and remember what Christ has done for me. I come to the table and remember I have a vital part in the health of every other believer who comes to the same table. Communion, salvation. It's not symbolic of fire insurance. We aren't coming to the table to go, Yep, I made it, I'm not going to hell. That is true. If you are saved. But that's not what it symbolizes. We aren't saved and our life is just, you know, we can do whatever because we're not going to hell. Jesus said this, Luke 9.23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This statement is meant to take a person beyond that moment of salvation to a lifestyle of self-denial and service to the body of Christ. 
God never intended for people to get saved and have it end there. The intention was a lifestyle that was produced by that one moment. Come after me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you come this morning and say, I remember what Christ has done and I'm thankful I am saved by His blood, do you also come remembering you have been immersed into the body of Christ for the purpose of saving, of serving Christ's church? Might change the way we think of communion and hopefully it will change how we relate to the body of Christ. Each of us who have come to a saving knowledge of Christ are united in Christ and are His church. Communion should remind us of this. You're connected. Why are you connected? Because Jesus died for you. And He died for every other person in this room who has taken Him and wants to follow Him. So we're connected. That's fellowship. Communion is symbolic of my place in and of my participation in the church. The application of this truth begins and and is, is in one way most seen in our love for one another. We exhort one another. We, we admonish one another. We warn one another. We rebuke one another. We edify one another. We praise one another. We, we bear one another's burdens. We care for one another. And in that, we are also quick to forgive. And we extend grace to others. Forgiveness and grace are vital to fellowship because these two actions go along with our salvation. They are exactly what God has given to each of us. If we want to see that that explosive response, that positive, incredible action of the Spirit of God to the preaching of the gospel and see lives transformed by the power of Christ's blood, the world around us must see us in fellowship practicing forgiveness and extending grace. That needs to be practiced. If the world sees us just fighting with each other all the time, why do they want to come here? They can do that maybe at home. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. When someone comes and confesses their sin against you, your response should be, I forgive you. And let it go. This is critical to maintain healthy fellowship. And we know from Christ's answer to Peter's question of how often to forgive that our forgiveness needs to be continual. I had a a guy who was struggling with his son and, and he said, Pastor, I, I, I forgave him. And then he went and did the same stuff over again. So, so how, often do, how often do I forgive him? I said, you just keep forgiving him. Well, that would mean I have to forgive him like every 15 seconds. I go, yep, that's the way it works. Matthew eighteen twenty two. Jesus said to Peter, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times. 
seven times, which was an idiom for you just do it constantly. Fellowship was and has been the character of the church. And the Apostle John tells us there's a result of this kind of fellowship. There's a reason why people who really get the idea of fellowship are happy. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. When you understand your salvation and that salvation has produced a, a, a position in the church, that fellowship, and you enjoy fellowship, God is working in you to have complete joy. It is God's design for First Baptist Church to be gathered people who have a meaningful relationship with one another. Not just the superficial, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? Not that kind of relationship. You can do that. It's not like I don't want you to say those things, but the relationships go deeper than that. We are in fellowship. We are to be committed to each other in Christ. And this fellowship of love and forgiveness and grace is to be the normal practice within the church and in our families. Husbands and wives, parents and children practicing fellowship. Giving grace, practicing forgiveness. As FBC deepens this fellowship, those outside of the body of Christ will notice. They notice those things. We are being watched. Each of us has a responsibility to live as the church. And as the church now... We're going to change gears just a little bit and and we're going to take communion. We are going to partake in fellowship. Now today, this is an interesting Sunday because normally we have communion on the first Sunday of the month. This is the last Sunday. We're going to have communion next week too. Just because it's fellowship. The other thing, you're in first service, second service. Not only are we doing communion, but we're having two people get baptized. So that's two more added. That's two more that are recognizing they're in fellowship. You see how that works? So this is a great day to celebrate. So I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and they're going to kind of noodle behind us, and we're going to partake of communion. So take a moment and prepare yourself. That means go to God, go to God and confess your sins. Make yourself right with Him, and begin to think in terms of, of you are sharing in this, this fellowship. Father, we come before you and we confess that we are so needy. 
We fight our sinfulness every day. We confess to you that our hearts are unclean. But we also recognize that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, the one who sits at your right hand, our advocate. Thank you, Jesus, that you wash away our sins. Father, thank you for this time of fellowship. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. The night that Jesus was with his disciples, he took bread and he he blessed it and he dispersed it to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Father, I thank you that you have made a covenant with your people. A covenant that is established and and sealed by the blood of your son. Perfect blood. And in that covenant, Father God, you have given us a perfect relationship with you. And a perfect relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Father God, for the work of your Son. That same night, he took wine and he blessed it. And as they were partaking of that wine, he said, This is the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink. Father, thank you for fellowship. Thank you that we are not alone as we journey through this life. And thank you for fellowship that demonstrates to the world around us the power and the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask, Father God, that you would help us to understand our role and our purpose and our responsibility because we are in fellowship. Father, be glorified in our lives as we function as the church. A fellowship based on the saving grace that you've given through the sacrifice of your son. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name, amen.